Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways that your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Today, we're going to talk about the biggest lie in business. Because I know that you're working your tail off, and this might have impacted you already. And if it hasn't, then this lesson is probably coming soon. Now, the truth is, this lesson often comes when you're least expecting it. When you're so busy with other things and your business is really starting to take off, this lesson usually presents itself to you. So what is the biggest lie? Well, it's simple, really. The biggest lie in business is that money makes you happy. And sadly, we've taken this lesson to a whole new level where we directly correlate money and happiness. We think that the more money we have, the happier we're going to be. And this is dangerous because we naturally start to believe the opposite, which is that you can't be happy until you have lots of money. So here's what you're going to learn today. In our first segment, we're going to talk about money and the ego and how the two of them are related. Then in our second segment, we're going to talk about how we tie our self-worth to our net worth and why that is so dangerous. In our third segment, we're going to talk about how this impacts you directly as an entrepreneur. And then in our last segment, I'm going to give you five tips to prevent yourself from getting consumed by money and your ego. But first, I want to start with a story. So today, I want to tell a story that happened while I was living in England. I had a friend who was a very successful lawyer, and she was the kind of person that, you know, we typically look at and say, oh, she really has it all. She was very accomplished. She worked at a very reputable firm. She had a beautiful wardrobe, designer accessories, and she was really just a very nice person, very intelligent and very friendly. So one night, she was out for drinks with her boyfriend, and they were at a local pub in Islington. And for those of you who live in London, or for those of you who have visited, I don't need to tell you that central London is packed with a lot of pubs. Well, all of London is. And they can really get busy after work. And what I was never really able to understand is why nobody ever wants to sit down. They just want to stand. And it tends to be that people crowd around the bar. So because it was so crowded and packed with people, she didn't feel like her purse was safe. So she took it off and she put it on a hook underneath the bar. As it was getting late in the evening, they decided to head home. And so she reached under the bar to grab her purse, but it wasn't there. And they looked up and down the bar. They checked with a bartender. They looked everywhere, but her purse was gone. And it wasn't actually just a purse. It was actually a designer bag. And it had her wallet in it and her phone and everything that she really needed. So they contacted the police, they made a report, and I don't know if you've ever experienced what it's like to have your wallet stolen, but it's upsetting on so many levels because 
you know, first off, it's inconvenient. You have to cancel all your credit cards right away. You have to replace all your ID. But it also feels like a little bit of a violation, right? Because there's some stranger out there who's clearly lacking moral character who now has instant access to all your personal information, including your home address. So my friend was really upset, but there was another layer on top of all this because this was her favorite designer bag, the one she used every day. And it was a very expensive designer bag. So for her, this was not only a personal violation, it was a fear for her safety, it was a loss of something sentimental, and it was a significant financial loss. So I have to be honest, I think she took it all really quite well. You might be surprised by her reaction though. She wasn't actually all that upset. She didn't lose faith in humanity or blame others for the situation. But what she did do was go shopping as soon as she could and buy a replacement bag. And she spent the entire day chasing around for the exact same purse, the same brand, the same style. But the story didn't end there. As with most purse theft, people are really just looking for a bit of quick cash, right? So they clearly didn't have very good taste or realize that it was an expensive designer bag, and they just tossed it into a bin near the pub. So within a couple days, the police contacted her to come by and pick up her purse. So now, instead of having one beloved designer bag, she actually had a matching set. And she decided to actually keep them both. Now at the time, I didn't dig around too much into her reasoning why she kept them both, but I was always kind of curious. I do believe that the universe has a very odd sense of humor. When really wacky things like this happen, I think the universe is trying to teach us a lesson in a slightly cheeky way. It wasn't going to steal her bag away forever, but it was just going to take it away from her long enough for her to realize just how much it meant to her. So let's start off by talking about money and the ego. Money really can be a big distraction for us because it really evokes our ego. Do you know why that is? Well, it's quite simply because money is measurable. And remember, our ego loves to quantify things. It loves to track things. It loves to measure. It loves to count. It loves to compare. It likes to compare where we are to where we were last year. It likes to compare where we are with our friends on Facebook. It likes to compare where we are to others when they were our age, and on and on and on. So we're going to explore this concept today and talk not only about our consumer-obsessed society, but also have a deeper conversation around how we use material objects, how we use our job, and, for us, how we use our businesses to create our identity and define who we are. And the danger here really is that the more money we make and the more we accumulate, we run the danger of starting to equate our self-worth with how much money we have. And here's a great tweetable for you. Don't let your self-worth be determined by your net worth. Did you catch that? I'll say it again. Don't let your self-worth be determined by your net worth. So I want to really talk about how this is dangerous to you as an entrepreneur. 
and I truly cannot have this conversation without bringing up the 2008 credit crisis. And funny enough, this just happens to be another story about (laughs) while I was living in London. So I moved there in June of 2008, and things were definitely starting to unravel at that point, but we had no idea how bad it was going to get. And I was working right in the middle of the financial district in the city of London during the height of the crisis. And the company that I worked for sold enterprise-level software to Tier 1 banks. So we were really impacted by the crisis. And seeing firsthand the impact on people who lost their job and really seeing up close how this impacted them gave me a lot of perspective. And I truly think that this is one of the main reasons why that ended up being the last job that I ever had before I started this business. And I think that extreme market circumstances always have the impact of extreme human reaction, the most severe of which is when someone takes their own life. And when someone takes that severe of an action, it's not only heartbreaking, but it's frustrating that they didn't reach out and ask for help. And when someone takes their life right after losing their job or losing a lot of money, I can't help but wonder if it was because they place so much of their importance around their job or around the amount of money that they had, that as soon as they lost it, they really felt like there wasn't a reason for living or there wasn't enough of an identity to keep going. Or maybe they were just too consumed with shame and felt that they couldn't recover from this loss. Whatever the reason is, and sadly we do never know what it is, it's heartbreaking. And sadly, when colleagues commit suicide, it's really the ultimate wake-up call. It's a sign that we've really lost perspective. It's as if the more money we have, the more we start to identify our self-worth with the money. And if you happen to lose the money, you lose your identity. So I want to be really clear here. I don't think that money is bad. I want you to make tons of money and I want you to do the things that you love to do. I simply don't want you to equate your importance with money. I don't want you to measure your self-worth with the amount of money that you make because that's just a house of cards. When you work hard, and I know that you do, you should enjoy nice things and nice experiences and you should appreciate them. But I want you to make sure that you don't define yourself with them. And this is a really important concept to learn and it should be the foundation of your business. I want your self-worth to be bulletproof. I want it to be independent of how much money you have or independent of what the market is doing. Your self-worth should be based on who you are rather than what you have. And this is truly a strategy that I want you to adopt as an entrepreneur building a conscious business. I want you to know yourself inside out, know who you are and what makes you tick. I want you to know what your values are so that you can instantly describe yourself to others and give them a sense of who you are. And this will help you build a unique identity. So how is this theme of money and happiness relevant for entrepreneurs? Well, one obvious thing is that as entrepreneurs, we aren't typically restricted to the amount of money that we can make. And this is quite different than when you have a job. Sure, there might be a bonus or other contingencies that happen, but for most people, the majority of people in a job, 
they make a set amount of money. And the only way that money ever changes is if they negotiate for a raise. So for some new entrepreneurs making a lot of money, this can be a shock and they're really at danger of losing their sense of self. And they can make bad decisions based on what they think they should be doing. And you know at these points that this is when your ego is always in the driver's seat. Remember, when you build a business with the sole purpose of making money, it won't have a soul. And that's another great tweetable. I'll say it again. When you build a business with the sole purpose of making money, it won't have a soul. Remember how I said earlier that our ego loves money? Well, it's a positive correlation between the two. And the more money shows up, the more likely your ego is to show up and to entice you to compromise your values and make bad decisions. And another example is when you start to hit critical mass with your business and things really start to take off. Now there's an assumption that if demand is there, then you are obligated to scale your business. But this isn't always the right decision. If you're a service-based business and you've maxed out the hours that you can deliver every week, you are not obligated to start hiring staff and expand your service offering. Yes, that is definitely an option, but there's a lot of other things to consider. So for example, if you start to hire people to work for you, then this might shift you into more of a management position and move you away from actually delivering services or working directly with your clients. Now this might be okay for you, but if this isn't something that you wanna do, then you don't have to. And there are so many other considerations like how this might impact your brand or the quality of service or the impact of all the extra administration. Not all businesses are scalable and you are not obligated to scale. I see this particular mistake happen a lot. Just because demand increases, we think we have to grow, but there's plenty of other options available to you like tweaking your business model or outsourcing some of your admin. So I'd love to give you some tips that will help you keep perspective as you grow. Okay, I have five tips for you to help you stay grounded and prevent yourself from being consumed by money and your ego. Tip number one, stay connected to your purpose. I want you to not only have a clearly defined purpose, but I also want you to stay connected to it. We're building conscious businesses, so we're very clear about our purpose. And no, your primary purpose is not to make money. We all have what I call a big P and a small P purpose in our businesses. So your big P purpose is your intrinsic motivator. It's your dharma. It's how you help and serve others, how you impact people. It's your big why. It's what makes you tick. Then you have a small P purpose and that can be where the money is. And the beauty is that the more you focus on your big P, the more your small P will grow. Crazy, huh? And that's the beauty of a conscious business. You don't have to choose between doing good and making money. You can have your cake and eat it too. When you make decisions solely on money, you make bad decisions because you end up being short-sighted and you don't think holistically and consider the big picture. Tip number two is practice gratitude. 
Sometimes we want something so badly, we just can't even stand it. And it's all we can think about. And our desire for this thing consumes us. Then, as soon as we have it, we become indifferent. And we shift our focus and desire onto the next object or the next milestone. We so rarely take time to appreciate what we have or what we've accomplished. So let's check in here. How often do you take time to really appreciate what you have or what you've accomplished? Do you have a regular practice or a structure in your life to acknowledge what you have? I always love the saying, we only want something for as long as it takes to get it. Tip number three is avoid comparing. Seriously, nothing makes you more miserable than comparing yourself to others or to your own self. Aside from keeping tally and measuring everything in your life, your ego also loves comparing, doesn't it? Because comparing is just a fancy way to measure. And measuring where you are today versus where you were a year ago, or measuring where you are versus where you thought you were going to be, or comparing where your business is compared to where other people's business is, even though you have no idea what's really going on with them, no good ever comes from comparing yourself to others. And tip number four, break for perspective. And this can be a vacation, it can be checking in with the mastermind group, or it can be simply shifting your workspace and taking a little workcation. Another great way to do this is to talk to an outside person who doesn't know your business at all, like a mentor or a coach. They don't know your history, they don't know your themes, so they'll likely ask you the tough questions that everybody else has been avoiding. And obviously these will be questions that you are typically not even considering. So unplugging for a while while you take a big picture view can be a great way to reflect and see if you are staying connected to your purpose. And our last tip number five is acts of service. So give back or help someone else who isn't quite as far along as you are on their path. This helps because it breaks up the momentum of going full speed all the time and being in overdrive. You might be going really fast, but are you heading in the right direction? Once you pause to help someone, it really reminds you of what your purpose is. It's almost nostalgic in a way, and it's also kind of cool because you get to really check in and connect with everything that you've learned, whether that's wisdom, new skills, technology, or just personal growth of some kind. Quite often, as soon as we acquire a skill, we take it for granted instantly, and we no longer appreciate it. Acts of service are a great way to regularly practice gratitude. So let's recap these five tips. Tip number one, stay connected to your purpose. Tip number two, practice gratitude. Tip number three, avoid comparing. Remember, no good ever comes from comparing. Tip number four, break for perspective. And tip number five, acts of service. And it is time to start wrapping up this episode. A quick reminder that I am running Thrive Retreat in Mexico in May, which is the 14th to the 21st, and it is booking quickly. And it's a really great way to get perspective on your life, kind of like we talked about today. 
If Thrive speaks to you, I'd love to have a chat to see if it's a good fit. Simply head over to my website, thecorporateyogi.com slash retreats, and you can book a free consultation with me so we can have a little chit chat. Or you can check out the Thrive trailer, which also gives you a good idea of what to expect on retreat. So head over to the website, thecorporateyogi.com slash retreats. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I know that together we can pave this new conscious way of doing business. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it.